0: The voice of truth. Thank you for listening to Preaching the Word with Nathan Deach. Welcome again to the Mysteries of God's Word. Today we're going to be studying the curse of Canaan, as well as giving an overview on the Table of Nations or the descendants of Noah. We're going to start at Genesis chapter 9 verse 18, and study the rest of chapter 9, and give an overview of Genesis chapter 10, starting at verse 18 in Genesis chapter 9, we read, The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Let's take a couple of notes from here. We see that Ham is mentioned as the father of Canaan and no other sons or grandsons are mentioned in verse 18. Why is that? Well, we're going to find out later that this notation is to help the readers understand the context of Canaan's curse, as well as how the Canaanites have become an idolatrous people at the time of Moses penning this. And they're currently occupying what's known as the promised land. And the notation on the three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, being the men from whom the whole earth was dispersed, is a notation so that we might know is where all of the nations of the earth today came from. Those three sons. Now we take up again in Genesis chapter 9, verse 20, reading, Noah began to be a man of the soil and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. This notation on Noah becoming a man of the soil and planting a vineyard is describing to us those first years after coming off the ark. Perhaps Noah had brought seeds along with him on the ark so that he could plant a vineyard when he had gotten off. In any case, Noah had tilled the soil, he had planted the seeds, and now there's a harvest of grapes. The wine had fermented to the point of having alcohol. This is the first recorded drunken behavior in all of Scripture. Now, some have proposed that perhaps some ecology changed as a result of the flood with a changing environment. Perhaps this fermentation happened, or perhaps. It could be that Noah, after all of the stress of the flood, allowed himself to indulge in the flesh after his first major harvest on the new earth. Whatever the case, we know from Scripture that drunkenness is roundly condemned. Here's just a couple of verses. Proverbs twenty-three twenty-one reads, For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags romans 13:13 13, 13 reads let us walk properly as in the daytime not in orgies and drunkenness not in sexual immorality and sensuality not in quarreling and jealousy perhaps one of the strongest verses is found in first corinthians chapter 6 which reads don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And here, back in Genesis chapter 9, we see Noah became drunk. And he became drunk to the point of laying naked in his tent. And we also see that that is roundly condemned, getting drunk to the point of laying naked. Habakkuk 2.16 reads, You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around you, and utter shame will come upon your glory. So we see here that Noah, after being blessed coming off the ark, after being such a faithful man of God with everything he did, after his preaching of righteousness to a depraved world that would not believe in the Messiah and the God's coming salvation of the ark, is now broken down, and we see the weakness of his flesh. And in verse 22, we read, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward, and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward. And let Canaan be his servant. When we first read about this curse upon Canaan, it can seem confusing. There's no immediate support for the idea that some perverse activity took place, other than seeing his father's nakedness, which appears to be an accident. It seems like Noah should be the one who should be ashamed of his behavior here. Noah was acting like a pagan with his drunkenness and laying uncovered. So why did Noah get upset with Ham for his behavior and curse his youngest son, Canaan? What is implied from this text, and the whole of Scripture as we understand it, is that when Ham looked at his father, there was something sinful happening. And then he went and told his brothers about it outside. Maybe Ham thought it was pleasing to see his father in a weak and compromising position. Perhaps Ham had some sexually immoral thoughts. Perhaps Ham wanted to take advantage of the situation after seeing his father this way and thought his brothers would feel the same way. Whatever the case, his brothers Shem and Japheth respected their father Noah. And even when he was in this Compromising position, they showed respect by walking in backward with a garment to cover him. And when Noah finds out what had happened, he curses Canaan. Cursed be Canaan, he says. That's the youngest son of Ham. While we do not have any evidence of sexual immorality against Noah here, we do know historically that the Canaanites were known for sexually immoral behavior. Shortly after Moses wrote this passage and Israel heard it, they had to go to battle with the idolatrous Canaanites. The Canaanites are the early inhabitants of the land that was promised to Abraham by God. Canaan was to be the servant to his brothers. And in the context of these passages, to be a servant in ancient times meant to be a conquered people, not necessarily a house servant. So Noah is prophesying that Canaan will be conquered by Shem. Then Noah says, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. This blessing of Noah to bless the Lord and then say the Lord is the God of Shem describes for us that Noah saw Shem as a genuine believer in the Lord God Almighty and in the coming Messiah. It is through the line of Shem that Abraham will be born. Then Noah says, may God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem. Noah is declaring to Japheth that Japheth will be blessed through the God of Shem by dwelling among him and by being his friend. And finally, in verse 28, we read, After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950, and then he died. Even after the flood, Noah continued to enjoy that long lifespan, having lived most of his life in the pre-flood environment. His cells... We're still working off primarily the world before the flood. And he lived 350 years after the flood, which places Noah's life past the lifespan of Peleg, who only lived 209 years, as well as 58 years into the life of Abram. It is very possible that Abram not only knew of Noah, but he could have met Noah in the first 58 years of his life. So as scripture records that Noah lived 950 years, Noah is the oldest second man in recorded history, with Methuselah, his grandfather, being the oldest at 969. Now I'm going to give a brief overview of chapter 10. Now chapter 10 is often referred to as the table of nations. It describes the descendants of Noah that were present at the time of the Tower of Babel, at the dispersion of the Tower of Babel, and from which the nations came. I'm not going to go through all of this genealogy and all of the sons and all of the fathers here, but I do want to give a basic breakdown before we leave today. The genealogy is broken down so that we would recognize how the nations of the earth formed. The nations of our world today formed from the clans of Noah, and each had their own language after the Tower of Babel, which we'll learn about next week. And each clan had their own land, and they each formed their own nation. So the basic breakdown is this. The sons of Japheth, Stayed around the same latitude of the Ararat Mountains. They became the people of Europe and Asia Minor, or what we now know today as Turkey. The sons of Ham went south. They occupied most of the area around the Red Sea, establishing what we now know as Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Sudan, Yemen, Ethiopia, and Libya. One of Ham's sons, Canaan, would stay north of the rest of his family, and he would occupy what came to be known as the promised land. And finally, the sons of Shem. The sons of Shem primarily lived in the Mesopotamian area, which we would recognize as Syria and Iraq today. They lived around the rivers of the Euphrates and Tigris. Next week, we're going to build on what we've learned. In chapter 11, we learn of the Tower of Babel and the dispersion of the nations. Join me, and God bless you this week. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understandings.